You know, we know that um, God moves and we get to be part of whatever God is doing. So we shouldn't be surprised when things line up, um, but the, we still are for some reason. And the topic that um, Kirk's asked me to speak on this morning is on how we at the Vineyard value relationship. And I feel like I just want to get Brad and Donna to come up and keep talking about that. Um, but anyway, I love it. So I want to, I might just, I, I might circle back to you guys. So don't leave the room because I think it's on point in terms of what God is doing. So um, as you guys know, we've been doing a series over the last, well, since Easter on um, making all things new. And in doing that, we've been looking at the values that we hold in the vineyard. We're, we're resurfacing who we are. We're reminding ourselves of who God has spoken over us as a movement and why we do what we do. And um, in terms of all things new, as we step into that relationship and God makes all things new, there's a number of things that happen. We step into a new kingdom, which has a new mindset. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new set of rules that we live under. Everything is new. We get a new father. We get to step into the inheritance of a good father, a perfect father. We get a whole new life. Nothing inside of us stays the same. Every part of us that was of the old kingdom is, has died and is resurrected again new with Jesus. And finally, we get a new family, all right? You, you look around, this is the new family that we've got. I hope you like us, you stuck with us. Brothers and sisters of one church across the world, this is now the family that we get to be a part of, which is exciting. Now, um, what I'm speaking on this morning, as I said, is that we as the people of Pine River's Vineyard and as the people of Jesus, we value relationships. We're honored by every person who God adds to the Vineyard Church family. We aim to work through mutual respect, open communication, determined cooperation, and believing and speaking the best about each other. I want to pick up on what Kirk was speaking about last week. So he gave a fantastic overview of the different um, denominations and what they all bring, the different flavors, and what their worldviews were. So um, I'm not going to try and do the uh, should have bought a Honda thing, but <laughs> what I love about this is that it kind of it, it encapsulates the worldview of each of these people, and your worldview changes how you see everything. So, for example, if you've got a worldview of an evangelical Baptist, um, then your focus is on the truth of the Word. If you're struggling in life, go and read the Word. If you uh, need more of God, go and spend more time in the Word. And it's fantastic, because it's all really good things. And if you can go through each of these, you, can have a, you get a feel for what their worldview is like. But I want to ask you a question. What do you think the church would look like if we stepped into being who we are as the people of Jesus with the worldview of being in the Word and in the Spirit. If we as the people of the Word and the Spirit lived out who God created us to be, what would the church look like? And that's the worldview that we want to talk about. And I would think that as a people of the Word and the Spirit, I would expect to see the kingdom breaking through. We would have a focus on seeing the kingdom breaking through into our world. But now I'm speaking on relationships. So what does the kingdom breaking through have to do with our value on loving relationships in the church? And that's what I want to unpack this morning. And to do that, I want us to think about this idea of um, what it actually means to be a people of the Word and in the Spirit. 
Very quickly, I want to say, to be a people of the Word is to believe that the Word as we have it, the Bible, is God-breathed, and there's life in it. It's inspired by God. And by that, I mean God inspired it to be written as it is, but He also breathed life into it. And He continues to breathe life into it every time we read it. And the life that He breathes in is what points us to Jesus. So we don't just read the Bible to read words. We read the Bible to meet with God and to to meet with Jesus and to find Jesus in the middle of that word. The, the, the Bible is, it's life. It has life and it points to life. But to be the people of the Spirit, that is something that I want to unpack this morning. It's, um, and in doing this, I want, I want you guys to think about this word partnership. I want to, I want to take us back through a few, a few examples of... Um, what it looks like to partner with God. And I'm not going to go there. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, let's talk about Moses. We all know the story of Moses, right? So um, just to give a little bit of background to the story, do you remember the story of Joseph and how he brought his whole family, including his father, Jacob, Israel, into the land of Egypt because there was a drought there? And, um, and then the people of Israel started multiplying and became more numerous because the blessing of God was on them until they got to the point where the Egyptians said, hang on, we better make these guys slaves. And so we find ourselves about 400 years later in a situation where the people of Israel are in slavery in Egypt. Now, um, Moses is born, the people are crying out to God, and so God puts a plan in motion. He has a plan that he wants to free the Israelites from slavery. And as God tends to do, he invites someone into his plan, in this case, Moses. And um, Moses had a series of conversations with Pharaoh. Every time he tried to suggest something to Pharaoh, it didn't work. Until, and this happened about 10 times until eventually um, God moved in power over and over again and the people of um, Israel were set free and they got to walk around the desert for 40 years. So that's one example of someone partnering with God. I want to give you another one, Joshua. So after the 40 years of wandering in the desert, Joshua took over leadership of the Israelite people. And the first thing that he needed to do was to cross over the River Jordan and take over the city of Jericho. And um, so God had a plan to give the city of Jericho over to the Israelites. And as he does, he invited someone into that plan. And so Joshua, in obedience, marched around the city blowing trumpets and worshipping. And he did that once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, he did it seven times. And the walls came tumbling down and the city of Jericho was conquered. Let's have one more example, man Gideon. Um, I love Gideon. So at this point, um, again, it's many, many, many uh, years later, the people of Israel are under oppression from a group of people called the Midianites, and they've been under oppression for about seven years. They cry out to God. God sets a plan into motion. I want to free these people from uh, the Midianites. And as God tends to do, he invited someone into his plan. In this case, it was Gideon, um, the ultimate skeptic. So Gideon gets around 32,000 people together, and he's, well, men, and he's going to go and conquer uh, these Midianites. And God says, that's too many. Let all the people who are a bit afraid go home. So 20,000 leave until, you know, so he's left with, what, 10, 12,000 people. And it keeps getting whittled down and whittled down until we end up with, what's it, 300 men? 
and they were going to go up and fight against 135,000 enemy troops. So if you don't want to do the maths, that's one Israelite for every 450 Midianite people. And they don't have any weapons, by the way. So they, they, they've got a, what did they have, a trumpet and a, a horn. They had a horn and a lamp. That's all they had. And, um, and of course, they sneak up at night and they, um, break the, uh, the, they break the covering of the lamp so all the light shines out and they're shouting and God comes in and completely annihilates the Midianites and sets them free. So what, what am I saying here? Through Moses, a nation was set free from slavery. And through Joshua, a nation was conquered. And through Gideon, an entire nation was liberated from oppression. But I want you to think about this. What did Moses actually do? What did Joshua actually do? And what did, what did Gideon actually do in these situations where they were used so powerfully? Pharaoh didn't let the Israelite people go because Moses made some good points when they were having a conversation. It was because of the power of God. Uh, the walls of Jericho didn't fall because Joshua played a really good trumpet solo as he was walking around that final time. It was because the power of God fell. The 135,000 people didn't get conquered because Gideon was a really good leader. It was because the power of God came. See, if you think about it, all that they brought was obedience. They did what God put in front of them, and God took care of the rest. <coughs> and God wants it to be this way. He doesn't want us to ever feel that we need to do, any, do something. Something for you to think about, there is no example that I can think of where God ever asked someone in the Bible to accomplish something. He only ever put something in front of them and said, this is what I'd like you to do, because I am accomplishing something. God never gave people KPIs. He never said, I want you to double your church in three years. He never said, I want you to lead 15 people to the Lord. He doesn't say things like that. He says, this is the next step. This is what I'm putting in front of you. But what I want you to get, um, the point I'm trying to get across here is that there is a partnership that people have with God. And this happens throughout the, um, throughout the, New Te- uh, well, throughout the Bible. And this is slightly different when we enter into the New Testament. So I want, to, I want to explain how this partnership that I'm talking about is different for us right now. So the first difference is that in the Old Testament, God told people what he wanted them to do. And in the New Testament, Holy Spirit reveals what the Father is doing. We have something that Moses and Gideon and Joshua and those people never had. And that is we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So where God would put a plan into motion to say, this is what I want to do, and this is what I want you to do, we don't have to do that anymore because the Holy Spirit shows us what the Father is doing. And we have this constant invitation to join the Father in what he is doing. Um, Jesus was the perfect example of this. And I'm going to read to you from John 5. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything that he is doing. Do you see the intimacy in that, that last statement, that love that the father has for the son? And because of that love, he shows him what he is doing. 
Now you are loved by God, and God wants to show you what He is doing. <coughs> and this is the difference between obedience and partnership. So rather than us getting this a set of instructions from God, through Holy Spirit, our eyes are open, and we get to see what the Father's doing. So it becomes less of a dialogue and more of a dance um, where, you know, we flow with God and, and we move with Him. He's leading us, but we move with God rather than do this step there, do this step there. We flow with God. So the second difference that I want to point out is, um, is what we bring to the table. And this is where I want to start speaking about our value on relationships. Um, so again, what did Moses and Gideon and Joshua bring to the table? They brought obedience, right? In the Old Testament, partnership does mean obedience. In the New Testament, it means obedience plus love. I want to read to you from a verse from Philippians 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And Philippians 2 goes on, but I want to I take this moment to start drawing the dots between the partnership with God and seeing the kingdom come through and loving people. Now, I've spoken a lot about these um, powerful manifestations of God, these powerful things that God did as his power broke through, right? Um, and in every instance, God invited someone to be a part of that. Now, Back then, those things didn't happen very often, those manifestations of the power of God. These days, they happen all the time. They happen every day. And these manifestations of the power of God are called spiritual gifts. Healing, prophecy, teaching, these are all manifestations of the power of God. And what I, what I want you to hear in this is that... Um, uh, it's not, um, what, I, what I want you to hear is that it's not as if um, spiritual gifts are sort of these different things that are given to some Christians, but it is different manifestations of the same gift given to all Christians, and that gift is the Holy Spirit. So each of us have got the Holy Spirit inside of us, and so partnering with God is something that happens with the God that is inside of us. And the verse that I'm looking at there, and I'm a few verses behind, there are different uh, kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. So the source of the gifts is the Holy Spirit, right? And the spirit is inside all of us. So um, uh, healing the source of healing is inside of us. Prophecy, the source of prophecy is inside of each of us. Supernatural ability to serve people wholeheartedly without thinking of yourself, the source of that is inside of us. 
Um, and the way that the partnership and the flow of it works is exactly the same as what it did, as what it was with Moses. So uh, with Moses, for example, um, God had a plan and he would, Moses would partner with him and God would bring power. Moses parting the Red Sea is exactly the same as you sitting in the coffee shop giving a prophetic word to someone else. It is a manifestation of God's love and power and you are partnering with God as you see that happening. So what am I saying? I'm talking about spiritual gifts and I'm talking about relationships and I'm talking about partnership and I'm talking about a bunch of different things. And I just want to kind of um, bring, it all, uh, bring it all into the same page so that we know what we're talking about. <coughs> we are constantly being invited by God into partnership with Him. And the way that partnership looks is in spiritual gifts. I want to read for you um, in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And what this verse is saying to me is that God is not just looking for partnership. He's looking for like-minded partnership. He doesn't just want us to join him in what he is doing. He wants us to join him for the same reason he's doing what he is doing. And everything that God does is for love and because of love. And the source of it is love. And that's why we here at the Vineyard, as a people of the Word and the Spirit, and partnering with God to see the kingdom break through, all of that needs to come from a place of love. And it comes from a place of valuing every single person in the room as a loved child of God. We partner with God as a like-minded partnership. So if you want to know, um, and I'm going to carry on reading from the 1 Corinthians passage here, and a lot of people talk about that as a description of what love is. But if you look at where it is in Scripture, what it's actually telling you is how to use spiritual gifts. So in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we have a list of spiritual gifts and how they work. And then immediately after that, Paul says, hang on a second, I, you can use all of those gifts, but if you don't have love, they mean absolutely nothing. Now I'm going to show you what love is, and then he goes on talking about the body. And what he's wanting you to hear is that, that these descriptions of love, this is how we partner with God. So this is what partnership with God looks like. We're patient with each other. We're kind to each other. We're not jealous of each other. We don't boast, and we're not proud. We don't keep a list of the times that we've been wronged. The thought of injustice pains us. We rejoice when the truth wins. We don't give up. We don't lose faith. We always hope. This isn't just a list of what love is or what love looks like. This is a list of Paul telling us what partnership with God looks like. Love is the reason why God is doing what he is doing. 
Love is the reason he is inviting us into doing what we do. And in the Vineyard Church here, we value every single person. And, um, yeah, I'm going to go there. So what does it look like to partner with God? What does it look like to partner with God? Now, we, um, we, we've actually had some fantastic teaching on uh, the kingdom of God and how to operate in, in, in the spiritual gifts and how we pray for people, how we um, ask God to bring the kingdom to come. What I would like to do is um, I want to get us into the habit of adding a few extra steps in there. I want us to, and, and the reason why I want to do that is because I would love it if everything that we do, all of the, uh, the ministry that we do um, is centered around love. And this is why I was loving what, um, what Brad and Abby were talking about just before, uh, just before I came up. When, when Brad was talking to Abby, he, was asking, he, he said, how are you doing? And Abby kind of said she was all right. Then Brad took the extra step. Now, hang on. How are you really doing? How are you really doing? And uh, this is something that I would love to see happening uh, more often. So I want to quickly talk about the group that we do. Um, so we have, we have this group. It's called Vine and Dine. And um, the, reason, uh, the reason we call it Vine and Dine is because there's two things that, uh, that it's all about. It's about God and it's about food. Those are kind of what we do. And... Um, there's five things that we talk about as our characteristics of our group, and I'm, I'm not going to pick on anyone in our group to tell us what those five things are. But the, if you ever join one of these Vine and Dine groups, then the name is up for grabs, by the way. But if you ever join one of these Vine and Dine groups, this is what it looks like. The first thing is there will always be food. So we gather together around food, and, and we, we socialize with each other. We have a, a little community. The second thing is that there will always be a time of stopping what we're doing and looking up to remind ourselves of who God is so that we have a context of, of who God is before we go in and pray for each other. And different people do that all the time. Sometimes we listen to a song or we read something from the Psalms. And then what we do is we break up into small groups and we do exactly what Brad was doing with Abby. So we say, how are you really doing? And in those small groups, we get real with each other. We talk about how we're really doing. And... Um, I'm, I'm, I was kind of just, I was kind of blown away even at the, the one of the more recent ones that we had um, because people were just so real about what was actually going on. We had people in the room who were um, struggling with loss. We had people in the room who were uh, almost breaking down, saying, um, "I carry everyone." I carry everyone. Where are the people that carry me? And, uh, and, and, and he actually said that that was the first time he had been able to say something like that his entire life. It's so hard for us to be real with people. We had other people in the room who were really struggling with their, with their work. And they weren't really sure what to do about it. But they got to share that with some other men. Um, there were other things that were going on that I don't really want to cover. But the point is, if you look around you, you've got a bunch of people in the room with you. And um, we look fine on the surface. We're really not. There are so many of us who are struggling. Sometimes um, we just need to hear 
like what Abby was saying and what Brad was saying. It's, a, it's actually, it's okay to struggle. And this is, again, I love that about the Vineyard Church. It's okay to not be okay. If you're, um, if you're sitting in the room and, 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 and you're kind of fighting to hold your marriage together, I want you to know that you're not alone. Marriage is hard, and we need to work on it. But you need to understand that you are not alone. This is not something that you need to be ashamed about or hold to yourself or not be willing to speak to anyone else. It can be hard. If you're struggling to get out of bed and just to, you know, if, if getting out of bed is a victory for you because that's all you've got in you, I want you to know that you're not alone. There is nothing unique about that. There are people in the church who are struggling through this, and it's okay. But tell someone. Don't hide it. Don't let shame, don't let shame force you to keep it to yourself. There are people in the church who have, who have addictions. Sometimes it's, it could be substance abuse. Sometimes it could be unhealthy habits on the internet. You're not alone. God wants to bring freedom to these things. But to bring freedom, we actually need to share with each other about who we are. So I love what Brad was talking about, where you take that extra step and say, hang on, how are you really doing? But it's up to us to say, you know what, like Abby did, this is how I am really doing. And until we do that, we're never going to be able to get past this idea of we're okay. We put these masks up. We need to get past that. <coughs> so there's a couple of things that I think God wants to do this morning. I'm just, I, I, there's some things that I want to finish off, but... I, Start thinking about this now. Um, when, when I was speaking about um, how we have Holy Spirit inside of us, who shows us what the Father is doing. I think there might be people in the room who are thinking, that's great, how does that work? All right? I want to give some time to, to speak into that and to minister into that. I think we can have some fun there, and I believe that God wants to show us a few things. But here's, here's what I would like to do, um, and I particularly want to do this later during our ministry time. So when you come up to minister to someone or to pray for someone, if you really want to partner with this idea of valuing the person over valuing the opportunity to pray for them, and this is something, to be honest, I have to continually remind myself to do. Um, even I, I, I can come up to pray for someone and I see them as an opportunity to try out a spiritual gift or, or as, as an opportunity to tick a box that I have prayed for someone to kind of move on. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. Um, we value the person over what we're doing. So you walk up to someone and we do exactly what Brad was doing with Donna. We say, how are you really doing? And in that moment, um, what I want to encourage you to do is Make it about that person. Be okay that we're not talking about yourself. Be okay that um, we're stepping aside from whatever you're thinking about at the time and, and listen. Be in the moment. Be patient with them. Let them tell you what is going on. Be kind to them. Don't be jealous of them. And that can happen. And we don't make it about ourselves. See, so often I will listen to someone and they'll start telling me what's wrong and I will immediately jump into the fix-it mode saying, okay, fantastic, we're going to pray for you. And I haven't even listened to them. I haven't even listened to everything that they have to say. 
So um, don't, don't jump straight into the I want to pray for you part. Be okay to just listen to them. Find out how they're really doing. Um, as you're doing that, I want you to remind yourself that the Father is at work. Right there in that moment, in that person's life, the Father is at work. And the fun part we get to do is to try and figure out what the Father is doing in that moment. So as you're listening, um, and, and uh, I'm going to keep jumping back to the, the example with Brad and, um, and, and uh, Abby. So Brad was saying, how are you doing? And Abby was res- responding that she's actually not doing so great. She's really struggling. She is um, well, having some not, not great thoughts. In that moment, Brad reminds himself, okay, in, Abby's struggling, but right now the Father is working. God, show me what you're doing. And the reason why that question is so important is because it isn't always the obvious thing. Someone can come to you with a headache, and God actually wants to sort of relieve them of, of, of some stress that they've been carrying for a long time. So we need to be asking the question, God, what are you doing in this moment? And whatever we see the Father doing, that is what we then step into. <coughs> and a great way to, to do this is to, um, instead of saying, hey, can I pray for you? First, ask God to show you and then tell them what you think God is doing. So if, I, if, 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 if Karen and I are talking, and I, I won't just say, Karen, can I pray for you? I can say, Karen, I think I see the Lord wanting to tell you something. Can I pray for you and ask for a word of prophecy for you? Or, Karen, I think God wants to bring freedom to you. Can we pray into that? So we lead in with, this is what I think the Lord is doing in this moment. And then we partner with God in it. But I think, I think what... I think what the Lord wants to do this morning is to just speak to us a little bit about opening ourselves up and um, I think God wants to speak to us and let us know that it is okay to not be okay. We know that it's not, but I think God just wants to speak to us and let us know that it is okay to not be okay. Before I press into ministry time for anything, I would like to just pray that over us. Can we do that quickly? Just Let's just wait on the Holy Spirit for a bit. Lord, I want to thank you that you are so good. And that it's not up to us to be perfect. It's not up to us to be good for any of these things to work. I love that someone posted on Facebook that when God... When you call us to do something, you've already factored in our stupidity. And it's a very comforting thing to know that. <coughs> so thank you, Lord, that you're good. Thank you that we don't need to have it all together. But sometimes it's, it's not that we're worried about what you think, Lord. Sometimes it's really hard to be completely open because we're worried about what other people think. And people around us... We just feel that if we're, actually, if we're open about the fact that we have, we're struggling with our mental condition right now, that people are going to see us differently. If we uh, let people know that we're struggling with an eating disorder, that people are going to look at us and see us differently. So many things in, uh, in our lives as men of the church that we keep hidden because we're so worried about 
how other people will see us and think of us if they knew what was really going on in our lives. And I believe that there's so many, particularly men, who are so close to breaking point because we feel we have to hold it together. And we don't yet know how to lean on each other. We don't yet know how to be open with each other. Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to start moving through this room, Lord, and just start breaking some of this stuff off us. Lord, would you release us? Would you free us from these things? Would you be speaking that truth to our lives, Lord? It is okay to not be okay. It is okay to disagree. It is okay. It is okay. Help us to be vulnerable with each other, Lord. And I also want to pray, God, that you will teach us how to partner with you in love. If people are going to be vulnerable with us, Lord, help us to be patient with each other. Help us to be kind to each other. As we listen to injustice, when people speak to us, Lord, let that pain us. Let us rejoice when we see the truth break through in people's lives. But Lord, as you send us vulnerable people, and we are all vulnerable people, help us to hold people gently and to love people gently. In our partnership with you, Lord, you make it happen. All we do is love. All we bring is love. In every spiritual gift, Lord, all we bring is love. You accomplish the rest. Help us to rest in that. Let that emphasis shift, Lord, from I need to operate in this gift to I need to love this person in front of me and love what God is doing in that person. Thank you, Lord.